Good morning, everyone. How many of you have been up here? Or I'm going to try this again. Good morning, everyone. It's this lonely existence up here. I need to feel a little bit more warmth, but I'm glad to see you. Um, you're a lot more than when I was first up here early doing the welcome. Um, but God is good, and I'm always happy to be at Advent Hope because um, you might have heard me say before that for me, the Sabbath is the punctuation, the necessary punctuation in our life that is this ongoing essay. And you know the value of a punctuation. Has anybody written a story? Has, do, do we write? Does anyone here write? I'm, I'm trying to, to bring some, to, to lessen the anxiety that I'm experiencing up here. Um, but we all know the value of a pause in, in grammar. Um, and I think God in his infinite wisdom, his divine intelligence, recognized that earthlings would need a necessary moment to pause, put the feet on the, on the brake or to um, reset the, the clock. We live in a society, particularly in New York, that just seems to run on and on and on, and we're always chasing something. And the Sabbath has a way of um, forcing us to pause and think about things that are a little bit more everlasting and, and less temporary. So I'm glad to be here. Um, I trust everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, this is a special time in the city and around the country. Um, even for those of us who didn't grow up with the tradition of Thanksgiving, um, but it is a wonderful time. I particularly enjoy Thanksgiving because it announces the beginning of the holiday season. Things slow down a little at work and we tend to be in more of a mood of, of kindness and, and giving and family and all the things that are, are generally more important. Um, the format today is going to be a little different than we normally um, have it. Um, ours is a, is a church that likes to incorporate um, the more important things, and Advent Hope is much more important because of, of you. And so um, while I might start things off, um, we are going to be featuring um, some of our Advent Hopers, if you will, um, who will talk a little bit about the theme that um, we're about to, to delve into. Um, I'd like to draw your attention to Luke 17 um, for our text of emphasis, and um, particularly at verse 11 through 19 inclusive. One of the things that I recognized um, on the few occasions that Todd asks me to, to come up here in this fashion is that as someone who, for all intents and purposes, grew up in the church, I've heard most of these stories um, over my life, but when you are forced to um, underscore it for something as specific as this, you tend to look at it through a lens that is different from the one that you're used to looking at it. And this story is no different um, for me, and I hope as we explore it a little, um, you will also realize the hidden lessons and truths in this that you might not have experienced before. Um, now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
Shall we pray? God, we thank you for being so marvelous. Um, you're already our hero, and we just want to be more like you. We're here today because you have something special for us. So I ask that you assist me in losing myself so that your word and your word only can be heard, and we will leave here changed for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when Todd asked me to speak about um, Thanksgiving, and I was mulling over what text would be relative or relevant to our discussion today, um, I realized that there were so many that we could have chosen, but this one stood out in particular. And as I read it, as I mentioned before, um, it took on a whole different meaning because for the first time, and perhaps it's because of the climate and the world that we're living in now, um, it took on a different and special meaning to me. One of the things that is evident if you follow the story of Jesus is that he was one who was always pushing boundaries. He was always crossing borders and pushing boundaries, um, as he did in this story. And in this story, he finds himself between Samaria and, and Galilee on his way to Jerusalem. And as he's traveling, ten men approach him. They approach him from a distance. And they shout out, Master Jesus, which suggests that they knew who he was. They knew who they were, they knew their condition, but they more importantly knew who he was and what he was capable of. They also recognized that because of their condition, they had to respect their boundaries, the boundaries that had been set upon them by society. These people were the unlovely, the unloved of the community, the marginalized, if you will. And because of this condition, this leprous condition, they stood their distance and would not come near to Jesus because they knew that he could be infected or anyone who was clean would be infected. And so respectfully, they called from a distance, but they called him master and they called him Jesus because they understood what he was capable of doing. Interestingly enough, unlike other stories of healing in the Bible, these 10 men do not shout out, heal me. They simply ask, have pity on us. And perhaps that meant a number of things to those around. It could mean we needed food, we needed cleansing of some kind, um, we needed something. Uh, they weren't as specific as they could have been, but clearly Jesus understood that they needed something. And this, this part of the story is very beautiful to me because Jesus doesn't approach them and lays hands on them as he has in, in other instances of healing in the Bible. He simply speaks as he did all the way in Genesis. He speaks and he says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. There's no command of healing. He simply gives them a directive. Now, perhaps your experience has been similar to mine in reading this story early on, perhaps in your youth. And I love these stories of healing because they're, who, who doesn't like a story about magic or miracles? And that's how most of the stories were um, met for me when I was growing up. I loved the idea that Jesus was much more powerful than I am, um, gave him purpose and reason. And I love the idea that he could just speak things into existence or just correct things by the simple sound of his voice. But this story, reading it in my older age, has much more deeper meaning. And while there is still magic and miracle, there is something much more current and pertinent. Jesus recognized that these people who were lepers were marginalized, perhaps not because of their own doing, but because of condition which they were now experiencing. And in the interest of time, and while there may be a plethora of lessons in this, we're just going to focus on two. And the first one is the interest that Jesus 
displayed for the marginalized in his community. He recognized that these people were, as I said, unlovely and unclean, and they were the ones that no one wanted to be around. So the first thing that I asked myself when I read this was, who are the lepers in my community today? Who are the marginalized in our community today? Some people say that leprosy was the AIDS of, of that time. Someone mentioned in this morning's meeting that perhaps mental illness is the leprosy of our time. We have such a hard time dealing with those people. We'd rather put them to the side and have others deal with them. But here Jesus recognized their voices, understood their need, and he came to their aid. As I think about these marginalized people in Bible times, I think of those amongst us who we might consider marginalized. Perhaps it's that turban or habib-wearing passenger sitting across from you on the train. Maybe, as I read this week, it's that transgender soldier who simply wants to sacrifice their life for their country. The fact of the matter is that in this story, Jesus, in no uncertain terms, emphasizes the need to display an interest in those who are unlovely. And so the first question I want you to ask yourself today is, who do you identify as the lepers amongst us? But this story doesn't stop here. This one that returns to Jesus of the nine, recognizing that he was healed, and it was just a short distance from their leaving Jesus' directive, that they realized that they had become whole. And I imagine amongst the nine, amongst the ten actually, there was this celebration, this gratitude, if you will. But only one came back and thanked Jesus. And of all the stories of gratitude and healing in the Bible, I can't help but wonder why the author in this story sees the importance of underscoring that this one came back to say thank you. And not only was he overcome with gratitude, but he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And Jesus replied, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the others, the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? That Honduran fleeing from poverty and violence towards the border that represents hope. Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now he had already been healed. So had the other nine. So there was an added blessing given to this one person because of his gratitude. Not only was he made whole physically, but he was made faith well because of his faith. And so the two lessons here are the interest that Jesus had in the marginalized, and in that one in particular was not only he a foreigner, and we don't know the nationality of the other nine, but it stands to reason that this one was identified as not only a Samaritan leper, um, but as a foreigner, because that distinction was important to Jesus. And finally, the importance of Jesus the importance that Jesus places on gratitude. And we as a people have an inclination to be much more focused on what we do not have, not giving much to what we have. And this week I read, and for some reason I think it might have been Oprah Winfrey who was quoted as saying that if we were simply to think about the things we have, we would realize how much we have. But because we're always thinking about that one thing that we don't have, which is usually something we don't need, is something we want. This week I had the pleasure of being part of a panel 
um, we were discussing restorative justice. And I met a man who shared that he picked up a gun, his first gun, when he was 11 years old. And that started a journey for him that led to 40 years of imprisonment. He spent 40 years of his life, his adult life, in prison. He was now well into his 60s, but when he spoke, he spoke with an eloquence and a poetry that belied the rough life that he had lived. And had he not told us his life experience, no one would have known. He now boasted a master's degree and had dedicated his life to instructing and encouraging younger men from marginalized communities to take a different road. But what was remarkable about this man, Mr. Brown, was that all he spoke of was how grateful and how appreciative he was for freedom, the freedom to make a better choice in life. That is what Thanksgiving really is about. Focusing on what God has given us that we can in turn share. In this scripture, it was undoubtedly a terrible and horrible existence that these 10 people lived. And by no stretch of the imagination do I want to undermine or undervalue whatever hurt or whatever depression or whatever funk, if you will, that you're experiencing. But that's where the others come in. This selfless act of giving and gratitude will allow those who are not as fortunate as we are to experience something that they too can be grateful about. Amen? If there's anything that I want you to leave here with today, it is that each of us has the capacity to be much more and to do much more than we already are doing. We have the capacity to be better than we are and we have the capacity to do more and give more than what we already are giving. We're going to take a little diversion from the way we generally have our service today and give our church an opportunity to hear from the voices of, of others in our congregation about what they're grateful for. And so we've identified a few people. I'd love to have everyone come up and, and tell us what they're thankful about, but we've identified a few people, and I'm going to start with Danny. It's Danny Guerra. So Danny, um, very quickly, because there are nine of you who are going to be speaking, and in the interest of time, we're going we're to do this as effect efficiently as possible. But in this theme, Danny, of, of giving and this holiday season of gratitude, and you know, I imagine most of us were at tables that were laid with plenty of food, and, and it's, it's so unfortunate to some extent that Thanksgiving is usually centered around the gluttony of, um, of, of, our, of our socialization. Um, that isn't to say I didn't have a very good and hearty meal on Thanksgiving, but um, it's nice to know that two days after Thanksgiving, we're able to pause for a moment and focus on things that are much more important. And this whole concept of being intentional in our gratitude as it relates to our Christianity is what we'd like to focus on. So Danny, on a very very simple note. Why don't you tell us how you spent your Thanksgiving? Uh, spent it helping Christine get ready. We were hosting. <laughs> um, had our family over, a small two-bedroom, hanging out, about 20 of us or so. Um, and it was lovely. It was just a great time. Is it, it was, was there a, a particular um, item of food that was of interest to you yes. that you might remember? <laughs> 
couple years ago, Christine found this amazing recipe for a turkey. Uh, a real turkey. A real turkey. <laughs> Am I still going to have it? <laughs> um, a real turkey. Uh, and it was this brine, and it was, uh, you, know, you leave it in, in, in the brine for 24 hours in the fridge, and it gets all these flavors. And it was the, literally the best piece of turkey I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> and Christine's a sensational cook. Right. She outdid herself with the turkey. Amen. It was very good. And so she did it again this year, a repeat of the turkey, and it was amazing. And we had other good stuff, jeweled rice, lasagna, salads, right. <laughs> different things. It was all very tasty. Danny, is there something in your life experience, maybe in the past or in the present, that you can recall or that you're willing to share with us now that you believe gave you an exceptional reason for being grateful? I thought about this a lot, actually. Um, and I kept on coming back to uh, what was noticeably absent during our Thanksgiving, which was uh, a certain individual in my own life who I lost this year. My, my grandmother passed away in June. And we have many, I have many amazing memories of Thanksgiving, uh, you know, where she looms large, of course. And she was the allow me to talk about her for a little bit. Um, you know, she's the reason why our family emigrated to this country uh, a long time ago, brought herself and her six children um, over here, and as a result of that, obviously had uh, opportunities that I otherwise may not have had, you know, had she not done that. Her idea of a good gift was, for Christmas, was giving me encyclopedias, <laughs> and so, you know, in her own way, though she was not particularly educated, tried to foster uh, a love of education and learning in our lives, of my life in particular. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving was this time when we would all come together. We were very close back then, perhaps much closer then than we are now as a family, and she was the glue that kept everybody uh, together. And uh, I remember, you know, these big meals, the whole families uh, gathered around, and she would always have these great prayers over the food, of course, but just really uh, thankful for how far all of us have gotten in our own Man. ways, uh, you know, in, in life. And so she wasn't, uh, you know, she wasn't around right. uh, this year. And it made me think about how grateful I was for her and uh, the sacrifices that uh, she made for family, for me in particular, uh, you know, I, I thought about how, you know, everybody grieves in their own way. I haven't really shed many tears over it since she passed away. It's just not how I, how I do things. <laughs> um, but I, I did, I did think about, you know, how I said goodbye to her. Right. And I was grateful for that opportunity that I had to um, be at her side. She was not responsive, and I sang her songs. It was a Friday night, so I rung in the Sabbath with her. And, um, and then I told her I loved her, and out of nowhere, she says, I love you too. Which, and so I this is something that I'm never going to forget, and that I'm really glad I got to do, and really glad I, uh, I had her in my life. And this year, more than I guess any other year, is this is, this is what I was most uh, thankful for. Amen. Danny, can you share with the church something that you believe is um, necessary for you to exercise greater intention in your thanksgiving or in, in your thanksgiving and gratitude in your Christian experience? You know, some of you might know I have two children, and you're constantly trying to figure out ways to teach them grace appreciation and, and gratitude and sometimes I'm, I'm very bad at this generally speaking I, um, I, I, I just not because I don't want to be but because I forget you know, someone's done something good for you, you perhaps because of my own upbringing it wasn't my natural reaction to immediately say wow this is great thank you I definitely want my kids to have that right? right. so how do you do it well you know I, I think that you have to find ways to um, 
do good things for other people. And in their own gratitude towards you, you are then grateful, generally speaking, with everything else. At least that's how it has been uh, you know, for me. And to, do, uh, to find opportunities to do these things together. And um, you know, I, I just think you have to find, make, make the time. Right. Uh, everybody's busy. Everybody has stuff going on. You gotta take a little time to find a way to uplift somebody else. Whether it's buying somebody uh, a meal who needs right. it on the street, or, or volunteering at your local soup kitchen, or any number of ways you, in which you can do this. But um, I think that is a key way in which one can uh, really then reflect gratitude because you are, in fact, helping helping others. It's right. kind of circular, maybe a little corny. No, that's, a, that's an important that's, point. The, that's the ability, there is something to be said about service that not only emphasizes gratitude, but gives others, to be, um, gives others a reason to be grateful for. Thank you, Danny. I'm going to invite Christine to come up. Christine is Danny's wife, but I intentionally kept the husbands and wives apart so that they wouldn't cheat on their answers. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's not, gonna, I'm not going to pounce any surprises. <laughs> we heard about your, your prowess in the kitchen and with birds. Um, <laughs> tell us something that you think is um, a particular, a, something that is, gives you a particular reason to be grateful or, or thankful for. Um, after thinking about this, this was uh, fairly recent. Um, like Danny, it was my parents that sacrificed themselves, came here with nothing, um, came to this country and tried to establish a better life for their kids. Um, and, and also in doing that, they also tried to kind of create a foundation in faith and in the Adventist uh, church, um, which I think was a bit of a challenge with the influence here in America. Um, so for my parents, it was hard when some of my siblings left church. Um, recently, we had the Thanksgiving showcase where the kids performed. Um, and my two kids uh, played the piano, sang a song. And so in showing my parents that video, um, I wasn't expecting it, but uh, my sister had showed it to them. And they were overwhelmed. Right. And my mother was a little bit teary-eyed. And I think I was most grateful because I was able to kind of let them see, you know, that their family, everything that they've worked for, everything that they tried to establish uh, regarding faith is still being passed on through the generations. Right. So I was grateful for that opportunity. Right. And you're passing it on to your children yeah. is, Trying to, is yeah. also important. Is there something that you think you can do for you or share with us that will make us more intentional in our gratitude and, and thanksgiving? Um, I think it really requires, you know, you have to be very intentional about it. Um, and for myself, every day flies by. Uh, my kids are growing up really quickly. Um, you know, you look back, this year is almost over already. Um, and I think it's very important for us to take time to kind of slow down and take one day at a time. And at the close of the day, before going to bed, I think that's a, a nice opportunity, you know, whether it's through prayer or through writing, journaling, um, to kind of just think about the blessings that you've had just in that one day. Um, oftentimes, we focus on Thanksgiving and we think about, oh, all the wonderful things of the year, but I think it's important to kind of bring things down, diminish them, just to, not diminish them, but, but make it smaller so that you can kind of focus on how God is present every day um, and at every moment he's with us. Um, and he, he puts those little things in our life so that we can reflect on them and to know that he is there. So I think right. kind of one day at a time is uh, a good way to try to be intentional about being right. thankful. I love that idea of a, a great a gratitude journal and every single day, perhaps jotting down 
a note of, of how God has been good to you for that day. Um, that's wonderful. Thank you. Sylvia. Hi, Sylvia. How long have we known each other, Sylvia? Nearly 19 years. 19 years. Wow. It's a lifetime. Um, you have always been one of the integral parts of Advent Hope. You are um, an important voice, and um, you know I, I just love you as a, as a friend. Um, how did you spend your Thanksgiving? I spent Thanksgiving with my two stepdaughters. Oh. Uh, one of their nieces and Rosie's colleague Matt. Oh, and um, I'm not I'm not a food artist, but I'm generally interested in food. Was there something you ate that was of particular interest to you? Well, there was turkey, and I will show off my own contribution. I contributed two types of cranberry sauce. Oh, your own making. My own making. Oh. One cooked, Impressed. one raw. Oh. Very nice. Okay. <laughs> if you may say so yourself. Okay. Um, Sylvia, um, it's become more and more abundantly clear to us that gratitude is an integral and necessary part of the Christian experience. Can you share um, an experience, um, a relationship, or something that you are particularly grateful for during this holiday season? Well, I'd like to share with you a Thanksgiving story that's very important to me. Um, and it relates to my understanding of what family means. Um, as background, I was the third wife of my husband. Um, and before we got married, I had met his children with whom I just had Thanksgiving. And he and his late second wife used to spend Thanksgiving with fam family from her side in DC. And he was very fond of these people. And after his second wife passed away, he continued going to DC to spend Thanksgiving with the cousins, Bill and Jane, and their children. So then I came around, and we are about to get married, and John says, let's go to DC for Thanksgiving. And I thought, well, it's one thing to get to know your children, who were very welcoming to me, but do I really need to meet the family of my predecessor? <laughs> um, but he had spoken very fondly of these people, so I went to DC with him. We are welcomed by Bill and Jane. We chit chat, there are other people around. John tells Jane that we are about to get married. And Jane comes up to me, so Jane is the cousin of John's second wife. And she comes up to me and says, Sylvia, I just heard the good news. I have been waiting for you guys to get married. Welcome to the family. And I will never forget that moment, how she welcomed me in her family. And so my understanding of family is now my biological family, my family by marriage, and my, fam my husband's family through his second marriage. And I've been very blessed by being welcomed and loved by people in so many circles around me. Amen. Sylvia, give us an idea of how we can be more intentional with our gratitude. I will add to my family story. Um, when my husband died last year, a friend of mine sent me a very lovely condolence card. And part of her message was, the only response to loss is gratitude. Now, I have to admit, if anybody had told me that before, I probably would have had a bit of a fit and said, what exactly does that mean? 
Um, but when I got that card, this is exactly how I felt, because I was able to look back at a very beautiful relationship I had had with my husband. I was grateful for the way his life had ended, that it hadn't been with a lot of drama, but that he was able to slowly be gone. I was very grateful for the people around me who comforted me. And so I'm thinking, if the only response to loss is gratitude, how much more is the only response to life is gratitude? And so let us take Thanksgiving as an opportunity to be grateful every day for the big things and the little things. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I knew John um, very well, and in my phone are a, perhaps hundreds of quotes that he would send to me every Sabbath. Um, and anytime I am a little down, I'll read one of John's quotes. Um, remarkable man. You should also thank God for that fabulous outfit you're wearing. It's lovely. Um, Niagaka. Now, as Niagaka um, approaches the podium, I, whenever time I see Niagaka, I feel as though he has robbed us all of something else. When God was giving out smiles, he ran to the front of the line. <laughs> Look at that. It's a Colgate ad if you ever saw one. <laughs> Crest, actually. Oh, Crest. Oh, I stand corrected. Niagaka. Um, We've known each other for a little while, and, and you're, you're an extraordinary man by any standard. Um, how extraordinary was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it, it was fantastic. <laughs> um, we have some wonderful friends from Johannesburg who are visiting with us, um, Och and Lorato. And uh, Och is a childhood friend. We grew up in Kenya together. Lorato is his wonderful wife who lives in and both live in South Africa. And uh, when they were arranging this uh, Thanksgiving visit, it was one to come see us, but secondly, Lorato loves to shop, and uh, a bit of a shopping excursion, but they didn't realize it was Thanksgiving. Right. So this actually was very providential in that they came at a time when it was a period of giving thanks, there was some downtime at work, and so we got to spend some, some wonderful days with them. Right, lovely. Um, Niagaka, is there something that you can share with us um, in the theme of Thanksgiving that you are particularly thankful for, something in your past, your present, or something you're looking forward to? Yeah, you know, um, last week Todd preached a sermon based on Matthew chapter 6 about uh, worry and fear and anxiety, and about looking to the Lord to alleviate worry and fear and anxiety. And as I thought about your question, Derek, what struck me is we, we appeal to the Lord but we're also grounded in our relationships. It is the people who know you, the people who hold you accountable, the people who comfort you, that in a large part contribute towards a sound state of mind. So my wife, I am so grateful for my wife and the role that she plays in my life, keeping me accountable and encouraging me and loving me. I'm grateful for friends as well who play the same role in terms of giving an appreciation for where you've come from and giving an appreciation for what you have. Amen. Um, how can we be more intentional in our Christian experience with gratitude and thankfulness? So there's, there's something simple that happens every Monday of every week, which is our Sabbath school class leader, Lincoln Alabaster, sends out an email. To, to the Scout Sabbath School teachers and some of the class members with a Bible quote and a description as to why it's relevant and important to you in that particular week. And we've said this to Lincoln before, but for all of us, Gabriella and all the Bible School teachers who receive this, it's a real blessing. It's a blessing not just because it's sent on a Monday and you know, it's great to actually get that on you know, the lousiest day of the week, <laughs> But it's a blessing because it's intentional and it feels very personal. Yeah. So 
one of the things that I want to try and do is, it may not be on a weekly basis, maybe bi-weekly, but is to think of one person that I just want to reach out to and touch and let them know that I'm thinking about them. Amen, amen, thank you. And we are thankful for you, Lincoln. Church is about us. Eva. Eva is the wife. I, I made, I put you after Niagaka mm -hmm, mm -hmm. intentionally. Okay. So Eva, um, you are part of the extraordinary relationship that um, Niagaka just referenced. Um, was your ex Thanksgiving as exceptional as his was? Yes, it was. It's, <laughs> did you cook? Um, I did not, and I gave Nigaka specific instructions when, before he got up here saying, please don't say we did not cook, just <laughs> don't say that part. No, we did not. Our friends, you know, we've been, I moved here six years ago, and I had a, I'd grown up in South Africa, and I had such a wonderful group of friends and family that I was really close to. And I think I was talking to Lorato about this, um, you know, over the last few days, but it was a, um, a difficult experience to come to a country and there was only one number on my phone, one US number on my phone, and that was my husband. And when you look at your contact list, right. you only knew one person. Um, and just our first Thanksgiving was spent with Niagaka's cousin and I kind of did not grow up with the tradition of Thanksgiving and over the six years have been really blessed to spend it with family and friends and we've hosted a couple of years as well. Um, so yeah, it's always centered around uh, food. Right. And uh, we, went, we went out for, for lunch this Thanksgiving so we could spend more time um, with our friends who are only here for, for four or five days. Wonderful. Um, is there something that you'd like to share with us that you're particularly thankful for? Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound like such a cliche. Okay. Because, Go ahead, anyway. Um, <laughs> I know. It's, I, you know, we, we were talking about it this morning, and I said, I'm going to say I'm thankful for our marriage. And, and Yagaka's like, but I'm going to say the same thing. Find <laughs> something else. <laughs> and, um, you know, you talked about uh, Sabbath being a necessary punctuation. Mm. And just a quick story. So I'm in consulting, and I travel Monday to Thursday. And this week, I wasn't traveling to a client, so I was in the office. And um, I've been working at uh, this firm that I'm working at for like about a year, uh, just going on a year and a half. And I saw a colleague in the passageway this week and um, at the office who wasn't also traveling. And she said, you know, I want to talk to you for a bit. I, uh, I'm taking an LOA. And I said, well, you know, what is an LOA? And she said, well, it's a leave of absence. And I've decided that I'm going to, I need a break for, from this job. And I just need to re-energize and just rethink about what's important to me. And what my friend Virginia went on to tell me, she's working, you know, 16, 17 hour days, Monday, for seven days a week, basically. And just hearing the story made me feel thankful that um, we're Adventist and I keep the Sabbath. Right. And that's something um, I've been very diligent about communicating to a team that I join that, hey, on a Saturday, I can't take work calls. I'm not going to check my emails. Um, and people have been really respectful of that. And it's been great to just unplug and spend like this unstructured time right. um, with the church family, with Niagaka, um, calling my, my family, parents, siblings, and catching up with them. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Right. Investing in eternity. Yes, exactly. Um, how can we be more intentional in, with our Christian gratitude and thanksgiving? things you know I think the journal thing is really great and I've tried it and completely failed at it um, just <laughs> daily journaling is I think you have to 
I don't know, what do they say? You have to do something for like 30 days before it becomes a habit, and I never can get past no, you five. You have to be intentional. <laughs> intentional about it. <laughs> Maybe I'm not intentional enough. But w one of the things that I do is when I pray daily is before I start coming to the Lord with all my troubles and anxieties and what I want, um, I come to Him first with what I'm thankful for. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, it's been a tough week. Uh, uh, there's always one thing I'm thankful for is that's my good health. Amen. And, you know, we've been, I've been blessed with good health so far. And, and I, that's something I always um, go to uh, as, a, as a first point uh, of thankfulness. And then I start thinking about other things as well that happen during the day. And just, you know, to the point you mentioned earlier, just about being intentional. Um, to thank other people we interact with right. uh, along the way. You know, you stop to get a coffee, you're sitting in a boardroom in the evening and someone comes in to like tend uh, to the, the plants and right. take out the trash right. and everyone sits on their computers and no one says a thing to the person like they're not there, but just like picking your head up and saying, hey, thank you right. and have a good evening. You'd recognize how valuable they are if they didn't empty that can, right? No, exactly. And I think you learn a lot about uh, about people, I've learned a lot about my colleagues um, when they behave in that way. It's it's not what they're saying to you, but it's what they're saying to others right. around them. Right. Thank yeah. you. I really like the idea of being intentional in our prayer. I don't know if anyone has ever attempted to to pray a prayer of thanks without asking for anything. It's actually quite difficult. But thank you, Eva. Is Camille here? Hi, Camille. We're coming to the end. Camille is one of our long, our long um, serving members in this church. How long have you been here, Camille? You can, you can come up. How long? 20 years? Yeah, somewhere around there. 20 years. One of the reasons why I wanted Camille to be part of this team was because if you ever meet Camille on any given Sabbath, she is one of the most positive people. And even if she's going through something that is a little difficult, there's always a positive spin on the end of it. How did you spend your Thanksgiving, Camille? I spent my Thanksgiving with my brother's family and nice. his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. Are they Caribbean people? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it was a Caribbean Thanksgiving? Uh, mixed. Mix. Mixed with rice and peas, people. yes. Curry goat, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oxtail. No, they, they don't eat curry goat, but you know. Escovitch fish. Uh, yes. Okay. Mixed, okay. mixed, many different types of dishes. All right, all right. Mm -hmm. Camille, is there something in your world of praise and gratitude, and you're always accentuating the positive and eliminating the negatives? What? Give us one of those things that you can that you're most thankful for. Oh my goodness. When you asked, when I spoke to you, I really didn't know where to begin <laughs> because I'm so thankful for so many things. And if I fault myself at all, it's because I have not stood up before my brethren and other people have spoke enough about what God has done in my life. Amen. Um, I don't want to be long-winded, but I just want to say that I was born to a Caribbean family. I came to this country. My mother and father became elders in the Presbyterian Church. And they were poor, struggling, uh, black family in Harlem. Uh, when my mother was having her seventh child, someone said to her, you know, can you afford another child? And it seemed in human reasoning uh, maybe she shouldn't have another child. But my mother told me, she said, you know, the Lord gave me my child and, and I was going to keep my child. And love was going to see us through. Well, I was that seventh child. Amen. And when I became a teacher, she said to me, oh my God, if I had thought to remove you from me, what an awful thing I would have done. 
She said, you are my crowning glory. And I want to just say that I'm so thankful that God is a God of love and he's a God of mercy. Our human reasoning falls to the ground, brethren. When it comes to what God can do in our lives, love is the answer. Not money, not a better job, not a better neighborhood. As a matter of fact, the Lord often wants us to go into the darkest neighborhoods because he wants us to shine there for him. Amen, amen. That's where he wants to place his children so that we can lift this world up and be a source of hope and light and love for humanity. Is there something that you believe is necessary for us to becoming more intentional in our gratitude and thankfulness? I think that we have to sit down with a book, I recommend it, or a journal. And we need to count our blessings and name them one by one. Stop crying, stop feeling sad for yourself. All of us are struggling, but with God, all things are possible. If, if I, you will allow me to say one more thing. I had no money. I was poor. I wanted to be a teacher. How am I going to be a teacher? I don't know how, many, I, how am I going to go to college? How am I going to ha have coffee to go? I mean, what am I going to do? And I got on my knees and I prayed to make a long story, short story and the Lord opened the doors. Amen. I graduated from Brooklyn College. I went on and graduated from Queens College. I went on and I graduated from Atlantic Union College. I went on and I traveled around the world. I studied abroad in Europe. I went back and studied abroad in Europe again. I had a successful teaching career, and now I'm retired. And I will tell you, it's you and the Lord. Hold on to him. When you get on your knees and you're alone, sometimes you say to yourself, and many people have told me, I'm in the room alone. After a while, I feel like I'm talking to myself. Am I going crazy? You know? Listen, you're not. God is real. Hold on to the holy word of God. With God, all things are possible. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hold on to him. Stay on your knees. You, you don't feel it, but stay there anyway. Right. And pray and be intentional. Have a book. Write down your prayer. You might have to wait a year. You might have to wait a month. You might have to wait an hour. Two years, three years, sometimes five years, sometimes ten years. I wanted my mother to become a seven-day Adventist. She said, I'm watching you. When I see a change in you, then I will consider. And she saw that change, and she came here and accepted the Adventist faith by profession of faith in her 90s. And my sister, Derek, came to the nursing home. And she, shortly before she passed away, said, Camille, I won't accept the Lord into my life. So before both of them passed away, they accepted the Lord in, 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 into, they came into the Adventist church. I wrote that down as, it took years, I, I was tired of, I pray, you know how you pray for something and you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing's happening? But I kept on praying, but God was working. And you know what, brethren? They were looking at my Sometimes you have to be quiet and witness to people. I think it was Ellen G. White that said, we have to be living epistles before men, to be read and known of men. The lives that we live, how do we handle our problems? How do we handle working long hours? How do we handle our relationship when we're disappointed, uh, when we don't get that job that we wanted? Right. Which, by the way, when you don't get the job you wanted, because God wasn't ready for you to have it at that time. So we have to learn to wait on the Lord, and I don't want to be long-winded, so. 
Thank you, God Camille. Thank, we are thankful for you. And finally, I'm going to ask these two guys to come up together. Um, Tomas and Julian. Is Chris, did Chris come? Chris didn't come. Oh, boy. Is he here? Chris, you're not coming? Come up, Chris. Come on. Listen, I, I worked on this all week to get these guys up here. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is my crowning glory right here. Listen, I don't care how good looking you are, when this guy walks in, you're not the best looking guy in the house. <laughs> Great. Listen, this, this is very special and I put these guys last because when, you know, I mean, you look at these guys, these guys could be anywhere in the world right now. And every Sabbath they are here. Um, they're in potluck. Um, I know if I looked as good as this, these guys do, I'd be out of control. God knows why he gives, God knows why he gives you what you can handle. Um, but, um, you know, I'm going to cut this short. But um, I want you to know that we are so thankful for you, young men with such talent, such God-fearing um, hearts that give your Sabbaths and give your service um, to God. Um, we're going to go through, I'm going to start with Tomas, who arguably has the best hair in the church. He can do, if you perm that, you could look like Prince. You could do anything. Tomas, um, I know you guys are all talented. Um, you've got a fantastic ph photographer's eye. Um, tell me one thing that you believe. Um, tell me something that you're, you're particularly grateful for. Um, well, start off because I'm alive. Um, I'm well, uh, I have my brothers here with me, um, my church family here. Um, super grateful for a lot of things. Just for waking up, like uh, being thankful for something as little as breathing. You know, wake up in the morning, a lot of people just don't wake up. You know, a lot of people don't have health, a lot of people don't have food to eat. So just being this Thanksgiving with my family, with food, enough to eat, you know, stuff like that, like just makes me more thankful right. to God and to, you know, can I Can I ask you, and you guys can think about it, you can be anywhere in the world right now. Why are you here at Advent if Hope? God wants me here, like, you know? Like Advent he Hope. puts you here and you just go wherever he wants you to be. So Amen. if it's going to be, you know, somewhere in Europe, go to Europe, you know, meet people there <laughs> and then just testify from, you know, Europe from the inside. Right. You don't have to really, like, preach to people, just, like, live it, you know, like, help them out, do something that helps them out. And then at the same time, you're helping God do his work, you know. So it's, Amen. That's, Amen. That's how, that's how I live it. So. Amen. Julian, so let me tell you a quick story. I'm flipping through the Internet one day and I see someone and I'm like, I know this guy. And this guy was, yeah, I'm going to blow you up. This guy was, was modeling in, in, was it Jack Threads? Jack Threads, yeah. He was like, yeah, it was Jack, Jack Threads. <laughs> anyway, but um, <laughs> one of those. Anyway, again, you know, um, Julian, um, we're so happy for your ministry. I know you guys are part of the potluck team, which There's I like one. to refer to as this. There's one. He's over there. Is there another one? Mr. Daniel. Where is he? Raise your hand. Right, right. They, they, I refer to these guys as the, as the, the swag squad because the food is always swag when these guys prepare. Apart from your culinary prowess, um, what are you thankful for? Uh, well, to answer the question you asked before, what kept us here, what keeps us here, there's, I always say there's something. There's no place like home. Uh, we've been very blessed to be born and raised in New Yorkers. We've been through and through from little kids they met when they were in uh, kindergarten, first grade. And I've always stuck around since then. Like when you have a, a brotherhood or something as like cliche as being Adventist, uh, it's crazy people like all the kids go to middle school together, they go to elementary school together, they go here and there. Like just having that bond of no matter where you go in the world and you have some sort of connectivity with somebody else of the same belief, the same faith, uh, definitely builds a brotherhood and opens doors and like just wants you to be connected. Like I always say like um, we're blessed because I have a very small group of tight friends that as you guys are, you're an extended family. There's no other place and with the job that I do that I meet a lot of people around the world, they're like, how do you 
know these people, how do you know these people? It's just because uh, it's rare that you see like in New York or anywhere else in the world that people stick together. Like right. you'll see somebody work for a little bit with them, hey, you're my friend, and then next day they're backstabbing them or like or saying, oh, like, uh, I don't like him anymore. But with these guys I've been, and with Dino as well, it's like, it's been like a brotherhood. Even though we're not by blood, right. I still feel like it's definitely um, closer. Right, Someone right. says like, uh, Frank is stick closer to brother sometimes. Right. And that's one thing that I, I love about this, is being brotherhoods and family members in Christ that we all can be right. joined together. And uh, going on that, I think that the most thing I'm most grateful for is uh, to be able to be a blessing. Like uh, when I was a kid, when we were growing up, we were just to drive up to Pearl River, and my dad or my or whichever parents would drive us would talk to us, and they would put on the radio, like family radio. There was a guy called like uh, <laughs> right. something King Campion or Campion or no, no, what are those guys? Dr. King, Dr. King, Dr. King. Oh. And one thing that I feel like was Wrong always engraved show. in my DNA was like he would always say at the end of his podcast or whatnot, he's like, walk with the king today and be a blessing. So it's like, <laughs> that has always resonated in my mind. And one way to be forever grateful, have a spirit of gratitude, is to try to always think in the back of your head, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? From something as little as cutting someone's hair or just picking something up for someone else, helping someone down the stairs, swiping a metric card for somebody else. Mm. Being that blessing for someone else just will completely change your life and it'll show you, it'll stop you in your tracks and be like, I'm thankful that I have an extra swipe to give someone else. Because Amen. if I was in that position, I would have loved for that person to be me and be like, hey, swipe the card for me so that he doesn't have to jump over and spend a couple hours or nights in. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. God definitely has a, right. a wonderful track for all of us and I think that if we could just keep that in mind to be a blessing, to everybody, no matter how big or how small the opportunity comes, I definitely think that not just one day of the month or one day of the year, we would always have a, a spirit of gratitude because like, when you are that blessing to somebody else, it helps you reflect on yourself and like, wow, I have shoes, I have air to breathe, not like in California and other places. Anyway, New York <laughs> is the best, so that's why I'm here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chris, you're going to close the show out, so I'm really, really happy that you are just on the stage um, considering our discourse during the week. Chris, tell us what you are thankful about. I know that you're from a wonderful family and you're very instrumental um, with your service in our church. What, what, what are you thankful for? Well, thank you for my, my brothers over here, my family, my girlfriend, this church. Um, when I was 17, actually, I was in a point in my life where I was like, am I going to continue going to church or am I going to just leave, right. basically, you know? Right. And one Saturday, I called my friend Chris. A lot of people here know him. And I was like, Chris, let's try out this one church that I used to go to when I was younger. I said, let's go to Advent Hope. Came here. We were sitting over there. And after service, like, Mariela came up to us. Right. Uh, Pastor Romeo. Right. A few other people came. And they just made me feel at home. You know, I came here and I was just like, I was like, I found my church home, I found my family. And ever since then, I've been coming here. And it's just like, that's one thing I'm definitely grateful about, for sure. Right. Well, we're very, very grateful and blessed. And there's something to be grateful for about accountability. Choosing the right friends who will hold you accountable. Um, holding you accountable to a standard and a moral compass that is uncompromising um, and that will secure your ticket for heaven. So I'm really happy, and Advent Hope is better because of the three musketeers. <laughs> and, and the fourth one out there, I'm getting him next. Blessings. All right. So we're going to close. Um, I want to, on behalf of Todd and the ministry at Advent Hope, thank all the ministries that are in Advent Hope, the guys in the booth that make us, give us audibility, the music that we heard from George and Leanna today, the musicians, the people who provide potluck, the Sabbath school teachers, the, the children's ministry, each and every one of you makes Advent Hope a beautiful experience. Let me close with this. Does any, has anyone heard of the name Haven Shepherd? Haven Shepherd is 15 years, 15 years old now. She comes from a small, impoverished village in Vietnam. When she was 14 months old, her father and mother hit rock bottom and they realized there was nothing else 
to live for. Haven's father, biological father, went and found a bomb. He tied it to his body and tied the other one to his wife's body and held Haven in between them. That bomb went off, killing the father and mother, and Haven was catapulted 30 feet through the door, but she survived. Her legs were mangled beyond repair. They had to amputate those legs. Fortunately for her, an American family adopted her, and you can read about her. My daughters are swimmers, that's why I know. But Haven is now an elite swimmer contending for the 2020 Paralympics. When she was interviewed, she said, I am grateful for my parents because they gave me the best gift I could ever have. That's life. Don't you dare tell me you have nothing to be grateful for. God bless you.